0: When you self-justify, you lose your value because you start to realize, well, I'm relying on myself to prove to myself I have value. Hello and
1: welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. What's that all about?
0: Wow, that was a lot of passion. Yeah,
1: I'm excited. I did it last time. Last time I did it, it came off like hello and welcome. You got to be expressive on the mic. Okay. You got to have some fun. It just surprised me. Yeah, so you got to go hello and welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. Here we are where we are giving you the tools, uh, encouragement, and inspiration to do the work of growing your faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Our goal is not to tell you what to think, but to help you think for yourself. Yes. We can't do this out without the it says slatty, but I'm guessing it means salty <laughs> pastor himself. My dad who needs an editor, Dr. Douglas P. Ah,
0: <laughs> well, welcome everybody. And as you notice, the smooth radio voice of Jesse Mayer is not with us today. No. Nope. It's my son, Zach Peak, so I'm very proud of him. Getting replacement
1: yeah. level radio hosting right
0: now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's good to be with you today. And yes, our goal is to help you do the work to grow your faith because in the end, that's what matters the most. And when you do it, it's a most powerful thing for your own life. And so hopefully the Salty Pastor podcast is inspiring you to do the work of growing your faith.
1: Yeah, so uh, today... I just got to take a side note real quick. Um, We we don't script much of it, but we script like the first couple intro lines and you wrote what I call the Super Bowl of church, which is not true. It's what Dr. Peak calls the Super Bowl (laughs) of church. Easter is coming up, resurrection celebration. We call it Easter, we're really excited. Why do we call it Easter?
0: <laughs> well, the etymology of the word, uh, Easter is really interesting. It comes from super old, old English. And if people spoke really, really old English today, mm-hmm. you wouldn't recognize it as English. Okay. Uh, it had a very strong Saxon influence, which was uh, Germanic, uh, as mm-hmm. well. And so, uh, roots, and it's interesting because the cognates, meaning the basis of the word, uh, even though you have other words derived from it that are different, they can be translated, the cognates can be translated as East, something from the East, uh, glow, uh, okay. shine brightness. Mm-hmm. And so in essence, the actual, uh, etymology of the word revolves around the notion of the sun, the new dawn coming, mm, which you okay. see much more often in the spring. And what's yeah. really interesting is in the spring, you also will see the red sky at dawn much more mm-hmm. often. Now, some people say, well, it comes from, uh, uh, the name of a goddess, which, uh, uh, this may have had overlap because the goddess was, you know, celebrated during April month for the springtime. But the, the meaning of the word is much more than just the name of a goddess. And so you have to be careful not to commit what is commonly known as a genetic fallacy. And the genetic fallacy states, this is that, well, I'm going to describe how something came into existence and therefore it validates the veracity of the thing. Well, that simply because you describe how it comes into existence, doesn't mean it's not true. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, one of the things that people do is they try to constantly say, well, the Christianity is just, uh, an amalgam of people who've taken these old pagan rituals and just renamed them. Well, it may be true that they've adopted some things, uh, but that doesn't make Christianity untrue in any way, shape, or form.
1: Well, the funny thing about that is that it kind of, yes, it does. (laughs) Like, no, that's that's what we do. But it's almost showing... The, the side of Christianity that it's not some cultural thing.
0: Right. It's you know, not. when
1: Christianity would go in and Christianize a nation or a culture, yeah. they wouldn't be like, well, you have to get rid of all your holidays and everything and, you know, you have to start doing ours. They were like, yeah. you just got to get rid of your gods. Like, they're not real, but they're like, yeah, keep your holidays. Just make it a Jesus thing. And yeah. so that's how we got kind of Christmas in the Christmas tree. Yeah. You know, Halloween isn't as much of a Chris, Christian uh, holiday, but it's like, uh, you well, know. Well, actually it, it is. Starts, yeah.
0: It, yeah. The word Halloween comes from Old Hallowed Eve. Mm-hmm. And November 1st is all saints day. When you in the Roman Catholic church where you celebrate the saints. And so it was the hallowed Eve of all saints day. And the reason why you got all of those ghouls and demons and stuff is because in, uh, the old Roman Catholic, uh, cultural setting is that the saints protected you from the demons.
1: That is super cool. And I did not know that, but but it's one of those things that we do. We take Christianity has gone in and it's Christianized a bunch of cultures. And it doesn't say you have to eat this or think like this or dress like this. It just says, yeah, just worship Jesus. And then, you know, you, as long as your culture doesn't explicitly contradict, keep that cultural thing. You know, as long as your clothing doesn't explicitly contradict what Christ said, like, yeah, you're good. Keep wearing it. You're fine. And that's a really cool aspect of Christianity.
0: Which you bring up an excellent point of, and that is, is that Christianity is unlike any other belief system or philosophy Mm -hmm. or religion. Because what they do, what religions do or belief systems do, they come in and then they impose not just. Uh, values or core values, but they impose ceremonies Mm -hmm. and rites and dietary habits and dress habits and all these types of things, music and so forth. But what Christianity always does is, and the reason why it was so effective is that it goes into a culture, it learns the cultural norms and then uses them to communicate the truth claim Mm -hmm. because Christianity is a truth claim. It's not a religion.
1: That's the only thing that matters.
0: And that's the only thing that matters. And so what it does is redeems culture Mm -hmm. Yep. so anyway, that's phenomenal. Great point, son. Great point. So speaking about how, you know, back to the
1: Easter, which is where we <laughs> yes, started. <laughs> yes. We're good at tangents if you haven't realized that yet. Um, but if back to Easter, what are we going to be talking about this Easter? What is what are we going to be focusing on at the church? What are we going to be doing for this specific one?
0: Well, you know, we're headed in the greatest celebration in the life of the church because it's like, you know, Easter, the new day dawning, the new dawn of, of life. And so we're going to be investigating what I call the foundations of our faith. The whole reason that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every year is to remind us that it is a truth claim and this foundational truth is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. and foundations are always built out of stone. They're always built out of really, really strong things. Mm -hmm. And Jesus even addresses in Matthew chapter seven in the sermon on the Mount at the very end, he ends, this is the longest recorded Mm -hmm. dialogue of Jesus. Matthew chapter five, chapter six, and chapter seven. And at the very end, he says these words. He goes, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. So you want to make sure that your foundation of faith is built solid on the rock. Mm -hmm.
1: And what is that foundation? He's making, you know, you made the statement that this celebration is going to remind us about the foundation of our faith. And you just pulled out when Jesus talking on the Sermon on the Mount and he's like, this is why you have to have those strong foundations. What is that foundation?
0: Well, I think it's, uh, at first it's, in Matthew chapter 19, in Peter's confession of faith, mm-hmm. right? They go to, say, Essaria Philippi, mm-hmm. and at Sereseria Philippi, there was a temple. And it was built mm-hmm. over, uh, do you remember that pool? Uh, the name suddenly es- es- it's suddenly like
1: pan or something. I think yeah. Well, pan.
0: well, there was multiple Roman gods yeah. there and they believed that that pool of water. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Israel to visit, you can go and see it today. And it's what happens is. Uh, is there's an underwater river there. So they would take lead or stones and they'd tie it to ropes and Mm -hmm. they would throw it into the thing to see how deep it was, but they didn't realize is a current would grab it and then pull it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like it was bottomless. And they said, oh, this is in the Roman, uh, paganism. This is the place of of Hades. This is where the God of Hades is. Mm-hmm. And here's the, they had a steel gate over it. And this was, was the, the gates river. Of Hades? St- yeah. And so it was called the gates of Hades. And when
1: Jesus is talking there and, you know, Peter, has his confession and yes Jesus says, I will build my church on you as a rock and the gates of Hades will not overcome yeah. it. He's not just like, Oh, we're going to go some Greek stuff. Yeah. They were at the gates of Hades at that point.
0: Yeah. And so he looks at that gay. And what's interesting is he says, uh, he says, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? He says,
1: the Messiah. Yeah. Peter he says,
0: Christ. you are the Messiah, yeah. the son of the living God. And Jesus mm-hmm. says, upon this rock, I will build my church. It what, actually what he says. He says, you Simon Barjona, are blessed of God mm-hmm. and upon this rock. And what's interesting is a lot of people think that the reference, this rock is a reference to Peter, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's a reference to the proclamation of Peter, mm-hmm. the truth statement, which is it's a, that you are okay. the Messiah, the son of the living God, mm-hmm. that is the truth.
1: And that flows really well with uh, Paul. Like yes. what Paul writes where he says, you know, if, if the resurrection didn't occur, all of our faith is a meaning. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it it doesn't has no matter. value. Yeah. You know? And so, so the, the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and then the fact that he rose from the dead, those two truth claims, that's the foundation of our faith. Correct? And
0: what's so important is the stronger the foundation then the mm-hmm. stronger the structure. Yeah. And what's interesting about that truth claim, and this is what you pointed out earlier, it has the capacity to enter into any culture mm-hmm. and, transform it and redeem it.
1: Yes. So,
0: and and that's the beauty and the wonder of what it means to be a Christian, you know, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this in the past is that there's no Christian cookbook, you know, where you have to eat these certain things and you can't eat. I think the South
1: might beg to differ, but
0: (laughs) yeah. The Christian cookbook, (laughs) fry it in grease. Deep fry it. But uh man, they deep fry everything, don't they?
1: They just want to get to Jesus faster. <laughs> they want
0: to get to Jesus. G- <laughs> that's funny right there. But what happens is and now you see how my son and I and some of the discussions that we have regularly. But yeah, that's true. That's a truth claim and that goes into culture and it transforms mm-hmm. culture. And yeah. that makes the foundation So powerful. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's granite that goes to the core of the earth. It cannot Mm -hmm. be shaken because it is the very truth of God. Mm -hmm. And this is why Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel Mm -hmm. And the gospel is that Jesus Christ, the son of the living God died in our place on the cross and God raised him from the dead, defeating death. Yes. So I'm very excited about that. That's our foundation right Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is a difference between forgiven as opposed to forgotten. Mm -hmm. Some people try to deal with their past by just forgetting about it. Mm -hmm. Now you're kind of young. Do you try to get over your past by forgetting about it? What's the difference in your mind between forgetting and being forgiven?
1: Well, for, forgetting is just trying to not think about it anymore. Okay. You know there's something there, but you're just kind of try to ignore it. And with time, you know, you get far enough away, you, you have other things going on. You can forget about it for a while, mm-hmm. but usually, you know, that can develop into something that's traumatic. And when you come back to it years later, it can be very painful and it can be, you know, unhealed and there's, yes. you know, still wounds and scars there. Whereas forgiveness is all about resolve in the and the time. You know, when resolution occurs and when that truth comes through and that healing comes through, then it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. it's it's kind of like when people talk about, uh, you know, if there's something that you don't talk about around them or something that, you know, they mm-hmm. think back on and it and it's painful. You know, if if you're just trying to forget about it, it will still be painful because whenever mm-hmm. it gets brought up, the only method is I'm going to forget about it again. So then you have to yeah. work to forget about it again, as opposed to forgiveness. When it comes back up, it may not be comfortable. It may not be something that you enjoy, but if that healing and resolution has happened, then you can look at it and be like, yep, it's, it's done. It's forgiven. And it can't come back to bite you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's an excellent way to phrase it because forgetting, you know, you can go along and then something can trigger you right. And just bring it all back. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes what we try to do is we try to forget, you know, I, I remember I was reading some research uh, about people who work with victims of crime, Mm -hmm. you know, people who've, you know, suffered random acts of crime Mm -hmm. and, Uh, I was reading about this particularly incredibly, I mean, it was a tragedy beyond belief and it Mm -hmm. was this young man, he was a Christian, he was working at some type of, uh, of like a a mini martyr gas station type of thing. And this guy kidnapped them, took him out into the desert, south of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and pulled out a gun and shot. him like six times, you know, in the head and everything, but he survived. Wow. He survived that they thought he was, he, he thought he was dead, took off, but they came and they found the guy and he lived through it. And he said, the hardest part is, you know, reliving that. And, and what's interesting is how do you, most people are like, well, we'll get you to forget that, but. It's hard to forget, it's hard to get over it because your expectation is, is that other person should be involved in the process. Mm -hmm. And that's why forgetting doesn't seem to work is because a lot of times the other people don't want to be involved in your process. Mm -hmm. And that's why forgiveness though, is a process is so powerful Mm -hmm. because it doesn't require the involvement of the other person at all. Mm -hmm. You know, is it nice? Sure. Is it required? No, No. you, you can be at peace. You can be healed. Without the other person's involvement, this is really important for kids who grew up in traumatic and, you know, and they have stuff about their parents and their parents, uh, died before they could have resolution. And then they feel like they have to carry this regret and this burden with them the rest of their life. No, you don't mm-hmm. not when Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the son of the living God who died on the cross for your sins and God raised him from the dead because he has the power to redeem anything through the power of his blood and the power of his forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And so you, you walk the path of forgiveness and guess what happens? You're set free Yeah, every single time. So mm-hmm. the, and I think this really begs the point of the difference between finding your justification, finding your, what makes you feel right about your life. Your sense that your life is valuable in Christ, as opposed to finding it in yourself. Why do you think we tend to, to, to use our own experience to justify our sense of rightness about our own lives?
1: Oh, well, I mean, there's a a million reasons. (laughs) You know, it's easier. um, It's a lot easier to rationalize things. Mm -hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about how no matter what your code is, no matter what your morals are, you eventually fall short. And if it's only your own morals, it's a lot easier to rationalize and try to get yourself out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was close to that. Oh, I tried. But, you know, if you uh, subscribe to a faith or a different moral value system that's outside yourself, you can't rationalize, Mm -hmm. you know. And, And so... The other thing too is, you know, I think we like to control things and being able to control our own justification is something that's appealing because then it's, Mm -hmm. oh, we just have to work harder. Oh, I just need to be more disciplined. And then if we fail, it's like, oh, well, I failed this time, but next time I'll get it because I'll work harder at it, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, much, I think it's, it's a lot. It's funny because it's not necessarily easier, but it appears easier Mm -hmm. than saying, yes, I send this, I need forgiveness and I'm going to just take it to God. Yeah. That's a lot scarier and that feels a lot harder and sometimes it can be, but in the end, I think it's a lot easier yeah. because it's like, well, I, I am broken and I need to pursue God, but God's going to work on me yeah. you know, and God's going to fix this. But that is completely out of our hands. Um, I, I think uh, one thing I remember in youth group, um, everyone was always like, yeah, I want to follow Jesus, but what if he asked me to be a missionary in Africa? <laughs> like it's that, that idea of like, you want to subscribe to God, but you're scared of what he'll do with you. Yeah. And I think when it comes to justification, it's the same way. People are like, well, I want to, you know, follow God, but, but what if he asked me to do something really hard? I don't want to do that, <laughs> you know, yeah. and just so you get into a position where you're afraid of what following God means and you're yes. afraid of what his justification means. Yes. And yeah, in some ways it is harder and it will change your life. But I found that it gets a lot easier and it, it's an easier thing because it's not on you anymore. It's not about you fixing yourself or you being better or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's about the fact that, you know, you are following God and you're going to mess up still. But if you're pursuing him, he will pursue you and he will heal you and he will, you know, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly, he will change you and fix you.
0: And it's it's exactly like we were talking about earlier. I think people are afraid... Of being justified by Christ, because he might ask them to do something difficult, because they're thinking through the paradigm of religion. Mm -hmm. See, it's like we said before. It's like, well, what if he asks me to give up meat, or what if he asks me to move somewhere I don't want to move, or
1: I mean, he did ask some people to give up bacon. That's
0: (laughs) that's pretty rough. So the key is, is that though, that's because you're thinking with a paradigm of religion, Mm -hmm. and and. The interesting thing is that Christianity at its core is a truth claim about the nature of Jesus and his goal isn't to come in and impose upon you a religious uh, status or a religious structure. Mm-hmm. His goal is to transform you and your unique individuality of how you've been created in the image of God in a way that lives a life blessing unto you, to those around you, but most importantly to God. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think is what's really critically important is understanding that is, is that in order to be justified by God, I, he's not trying to force me into something. I'm not, he's trying to help me discover my true self. And that's mm-hmm. what CS Lewis said is he goes, our true selves are waiting for us in him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so I thought that was really good. I, one of the passages of scripture that really talks about this, I think is in Philippians chapter three, where Paul articulates something. And a lot of times people, when they read through it, they kind of miss it. Cause they think, oh, he just makes a deal with God. I used to have all of these. I worked really, really hard to be that better person that you mm-hmm. described earlier, and so I should be righteous of myself. Mm-hmm. And he says, "But guess what? Those things didn't do what I thought they would do. Mm-hmm. They didn't give me that sense of freedom, yeah. you know, and wholeness." In verse seven, it says, "But whatever things were gained to me, I now consider for the loss of the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss." because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what he's really describing here is I had all these reasons that I could justify myself Mm -hmm. that say, I should be on the team. I should be the leader because I've achieved all of these things, but these things did not give me a sense of power and strength that I would be raised from the dead, that I was really, truly okay. And you brought up a point earlier uh, from CSO, it doesn't matter what your moral code is, you eventually Mm -hmm. violate it. Right. So would you think about that self justification? How does that compare to what he's describing? Well, he he talks
1: right in there about, you asked me right before this, you know, why do people prefer self justification? He makes a statement in there that makes self-justification sound a whole lot better. You know, he's talking about it's a loss. He doesn't care about it anymore. But then he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, this is verse 10, to know the power of his resurrection mm-hmm. and the participation in his sufferings. Oh. Yeah. People are like, yeah, this Jesus said, Oh. Oh, never. Th- oh, suff- oh, no, never mind. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the thought process, I think, is people see that. And what Paul is saying here is he wants to know Christ. He wants he- everything is a loss because Christ is so meaningful, so powerful in his life. Yeah. Knowing him is the thing to live for. There is nothing else for Paul to live for other than following God. Yes. And when you get into that paradigm of thinking, when your thought process is, god matters most i want to be near him and nothing else comes close to that well then yeah then you do want to participate in his sufferings because you want to understand him you want to know him you want to understand his resurrection you want to understand every little piece of him and then so those things become you know while they may be sufferings they become worthwhile sufferings and sufferings toward a goal sufferings toward something good you know like working out or you know going to school or learning things whatever it may be as opposed to self-justification where you're like oh yeah i can you 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 kind of get to do whatever you want. It's like when you're your own boss. Yeah. You know, and if you're working from home and your boss doesn't know what you're doing and you're like, oh, I can do whatever I want. You know, I can, I'm good. Yeah. I can take breaks whenever I feel like it and that kind of stuff. I'm good. People like that a lot and I, I I totally understand it. But again, you mentioned it's the, it's the uh, paradigm of thinking through religious thinking Mm -hmm. of what is it going to take for me? What do I need to do to pass this test, to get Mm self-justified, to take care of this thing? And Paul has flipped that paradigm and he said. I have found something so valuable, so important. You know, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure a man finds in a field and he sells everything he owns so he can buy that field and Mm -hmm. own that treasure. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a mustard seed that starts off so, so small and grows incredibly strong Mm -hmm. and grows bigger than anything that you can think of. And the kingdom of God is something that Paul found mostly through Jesus being like, you're going to find me, but, Mm -hmm. but he found it. And then he realized, there is nothing that compares to this. And I think at that point, you know, as he mentions in verse 11, he's like somehow attaining to the resurrection from death. He's like, I don't even really know how this works. I don't fully understand it. He's like, I, you know, that word somehow is so funny. He's like, yeah. I don't really know. But it's just following Christ is so important to him that he's like, yeah, that'll work out. It's not even like a high priority. You know, when self-justification is is your paradigm, that becomes the priority because you have to be justified somehow, right? No, yeah. How many people in life are can grapple with thinking that they are a terrible, evil person? Mm-hmm. You know, I would say most people do not think they are, even if we may label them as such. What percent of the population is okay being like, Yeah, I'm a pretty awful, horrible human being and I <laughs> like it? It's, it's a very, very small percentage. Yeah. So most other people, no matter how good or bad they are, you know, from judgment from others or from us they think they're a good person and they are self-justifying. Yes. And the reason why is because justification for yourself is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. But if you do it for yourself, it becomes
0: your priority. And the thing is you lose your value, especially over time. When you self-justify, you lose your value because you start to realize, well, I'm relying on myself to prove to myself I have value. Yeah. Whereas if you throw it out and go to Christ to uh, the other thing that self-justification does is always requires blame. In other words, well, like you said earlier, at some point, you know, whatever your moral code is, you violate it or, you know, you're at home, you're on your own boss. So you can say stuff like. Well, the reason why I did this is because there's always yeah. a cause. Well, the reason I got mad is because that person triggered mm-hmm. me. The reason I did this was because of that. And this person did that. This person did that. And so what we do is you enter into the blame game mm-hmm. and that's a problem with self-justification. It always requires someone or something to blame. Mm-hmm. Whereas self ju- uh, uh, justification by the righteousness of the blood of Christ, it doesn't require any blame on anybody else because he's the one who makes you right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know?
1: and, and what's so amazing about it too, you mentioned value when we talk about justification. If you're in the paradigm where you're doing it yourself, it becomes a priority. You have mm-hmm. to do it. And that, that is the goal. Whereas if you are a follower of Christ, if you build your foundation, On his you know being the Messiah Mm -hmm. and him raising from the dead those are symptoms those aren't the goals the goal is not you know to feel like you're valuable the goal is not to be justified the goal is to follow God and those things just kind of happen yes you know if your goal is to you know love or be patient or whatever you know any of the fruits of the Spirit fruits of the Spirit have self-control whatever it may be if that's your goal then that is the end. You Mm -hmm. know, you're you're, oh, I want to get there. And then again, it's self-justifying itself. Okay, what do I think love is? What do I think patience is? Whereas if you're going to follow God and the spirit lives inside of you and you build your foundation in your life on that, they just kind of happen. They're not really, the goal isn't necessarily to be more patient, but you end up being more patient. You're like, oh, that's really cool because the goal is Christ. Yeah. And as you follow him and get closer to him, These things come out. You will understand your value more. You will understand your justification more, but they're no longer your goal. Mm -hmm. And so you're not judging yourself based on them. You're not trying to do it yourself. They're just happening, which I think is super cool. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you're not even trying. It's just kind of happening.
0: It's happening. Yeah. Which is awesome. And I I like the way he says, you know, I want to know the the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, it's interesting, uh, being in the ministry full time, all these years. Uh, I've had people come and talk to me about, well, how have you done that? I was in a conversation with a really good friend of mine. He was in my wedding. I stood up in his wedding. Uh, he was married first. And then, uh, after that he stood up in my, and he's been a pastor. And we were talking the other day that we went to, to, uh, undergrad. To train for the ministry in, in the whole school, not just our class, uh, for all the people that we knew, I was asking him, Hey, how many people are still in the full-time ministry? And he said, it's just you and me Mm -hmm. and that's it. So probably less than 10% are still in full-time ministry. And I was just asking him about, man, how does that happen? And I, I was, we were just discussing how. One of the things that happens as a pastor is difficult is you get fired every week, Mm -hmm. every single week you get fired. And so I don't know, maybe you have to love rejection, uh, to do this, but the other thing that happens too in it is that, uh, people are always offering criticisms to help you do your job better, and that's right? what you
1: mean by getting fired every week. Is so, there's always people that are you know rejecting well, your teaching? Or yeah. Well,
0: your... well, some people just fire you; they never come back. Yeah. You know, no, other but that's people, the rejection. They're, yeah. just, they're like, yeah, I'm out. And other people just criticize a offer. They keep coming back, and then some mm-hmm. people make it their mission, you know, in life to criticize you all the time. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of funny, you know. But the thing that I thought was really interesting is that that I think what allowed him to get to where he's at is. And helped me survive to this point. I use the word survive intentionally. Is that it's like, look, I'm not doing this because I think I'm a great pastor. Mm I not I'm not doing this because I think I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing this because I have honed my skills over 35 years. And now I have something to lead and offer. The only reason I'm doing this is because Jesus said, here, go do that. Mm-hmm. And so when people criticize me, I try, I'm, you know, sometimes it, it'll, it'll strike a nerve, but a lot of the vast majority of it over the years has been, well, I don't really care. And the reason why is because I'm not trying to justify myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the secret, my friends, it, do you want to be a good person that isn't suffering at the criticisms of others, the negative thoughts of others? You want to be freed from that? Well, the reason you're not free from it is because you're trying to live a righteousness of self justification. Mm-hmm. You want people to like you because you're a good person, but when you discover the power that is so important. The power of the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And that is, well, I'm not a good person, but God has made me righteous. Mm-hmm. I'm not a perfect person. God has made me righteous. I can't do that. God has made me righteous. And if that righteousness has the power to raise the dead, then let me tell you something. I'm in. Sounds pretty good to me.
1: Well, thank you guys for joining us today. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you for listening and everything. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday to talk a little bit more about Easter and about value, right?
0: That's what we're going to do. And we're going to really dig into how this, this shift in your mindset on Thursday makes a huge difference in how you live everyday life. Mm-hmm.
1: Sounds good. Well, All right. Thank you guys again. See you on Thursday. Blessings.